Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The Bible says that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. It's through Him that we can do all things. And so, it'd be better to teach your kids to grow their dependence on the Lord and that they find their, their identity in Christ, that they find their, their place of strength and purpose wrapped up in their relationship with the Lord. Because through Him, I can, I can do anything God wants me to do as I stay connected to the vine. There's supernatural power revealed to me. And then when I get done being victorious there, God gets the glory. I don't become some arrogant kid or person. Do you realize that apart from Christ, you can do nothing? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he encourages you to examine your own frailty and neediness for the Lord. Anything that you do within the strength of your own flesh, you will have to keep up with in the flesh. But Pastor Bill explains that there's a better way. Instead of relying upon yourself, he urges you to rely upon the Lord. Because what is done with the power of the Holy Spirit will be able to be sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We're kind of coming to a close of the book of Galatians. And so one of the main things that Paul has been dealing with throughout the book was the Galatian Christians were being, um, they were being kind of misled through false teaching into going back into forms of legalism. And so we dealt with that. I'm not going to rehash all of that. You can go back and listen to the studies online. Um, the last chapter five got pretty practical. He dealt with the difference between a life of the flesh, remember, and the fruit of the spirit. And so he, he talked about the works of the flesh that are manifest in a person that practices that kind of lifestyle, how that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And then he spoke to us about the fruit of the spirit, the the outworking and the overflow of a life that is that is filled with God's spirit. Now as we come to chapter six, and I, I believe as you follow the flow, the first thing out of his mouth in chapter six is going to be how we deal with a sinning Christian. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on why this why this why this goes along with the flow of everything else that we've been doing. One of the things that you see in legalism, what I see when people are legalistic, they don't want to acknowledge that they are flawed or sin at all. You guys recognize that if you know people that are legalistic or very religious, they want to always present this aura of I'm better. I'm perfect. You know, I'm I'm flawless. And so because I have to be flawless in order to stand a little higher to be able to shoot everybody else down. That's what legalism likes to do. What Paul is going to teach us coming out of the gate is that, you know, when you step aside from legalism, when you step into a real relationship with Jesus Christ and you begin to really walk closely with the Lord and get in God's presence, one thing that everybody's going to become just and you're going to become very aware of is your own imperfections, your own flaws. The closer you get to God, it's not going to be that the closer you get to God, the more perfect you feel. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to realize how much it is grace how much it is his mercy that keeps you, how much it isn't you. You don't deserve it. You, you aren't worthy of it. Paul, if you looked at his letters, you know, you, you'd have thought Paul was getting worse. He wasn't getting worse. He was becoming more aware. Paul said he went from you know, being aware that he sinned a lot to saying toward the end of his life, I'm the chief of sinners. And you read it and say, did Paul sin more as he grew in the Lord? No, he became more aware of his sinfulness as he got closer to the Lord. And so one thing that will happen again as you lay down legalism and all that, you're going to become aware that, man, I'm flawed. I need help. 
And what we don't want to create in the church is a, a hypocritical environment. And this is what I mean. We don't want to create an environment here where I pretend to be better than I am and you pretend to be better than you are. And should I become aware of, of a, you know, your genuine imperfections, I blast you off like, I, I can't believe you. How could you do such a thing? I can't believe it. You know, I, I would never do such a thing, you know. And we have this environment around the church where we're not really supporting each other. We're just trying to make sure we look better than everybody else. That's not what God wants. Amen. So we're going to look at this, what God wants. You know, God wants us to be real and God wants us to be loving towards one another. And God's going to tell us, how do I deal with a sinning brother? Uh, How do I deal with my brother or sister in that case? What what, what happens when your brother or your sister has moral failure in some area of their walk with the Lord? And again, this is not the same as what we looked at as the works of the flesh. This isn't someone living in sin. This is your brother or sister walking with the Lord and they mess up somewhere along the way. You know, however they mess up. So look at chapter six. Verse one, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, least you also be tempted. Right. So he says, look, brethren, if, if uh, and again, that word brethren is, is not just men. It's it's brothers, sisters, believers. Right. To, to, to us in the church, if someone is overtaken in a trespass and a trespass is a different, it's a certain kind of sin. A trespass is a willful stepping over the line. A trespass is something where I know I shouldn't do this, but well, boom, I did it anyway. I I was weak or I struggled or whatever. How many of us here would acknowledge that as you walk with the Lord, sometimes you trespass, you sin on purpose? Raise your hand, raise your hand. It might be an attitude. You might have that moment where the Holy Spirit said, don't say that. And you like, no, I'm saying that. And you say it anyway, you know? That's a trespass. That's a willful. I knew better, but I did it anyway. It's a willful stepping over the line. And anybody here that will be honest with God and honest with yourself. And I'm part of us. Um, I'm not excluded because I'm the pastor here. We try. We sin. We blow it. But what do we do then? What happens when your brother, your sister blows it? When they mess up, they trespass. Um, How do we deal with it? Do we put them down. Does this become my opportunity to be better than you? Does this become my opportunity to show you up? Oh, you did that? Oh, wow. Yeah, I used to do that when I wasn't saved, man, but whew, you know, that's, you know, that's whew, been years since I did that, man. You know, because uh, that's how some Christians behave, but that's not God's heart. And so he says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, and he says, you who are spiritual, And I want you to pay attention to that phrase. That word spiritual there means one who is filled with and governed by the spirit of God. You who are filled with and governed by the spirit of God, you're going to be the ones that are going to be helpful to that individual. Somebody in their flesh can't help them. Somebody caught up in wanting to look good, not going to be helpful. You who are filled with and governed by the spirit of God, you, you be on the lookout for a brother or sister when they fall. You be the one. You be the one that that can reach out and minister restoration because what does God want for the brother or sister that blows it? God wants to restore them. God wants them to get back up again. God wants them to get back in the race. God wants them to be better. God's not even in the the business of condemning and shoving you down when you blow it. God wants there to be repentance and forgiveness and ultimately restoration. God's in the restoration business. And that's what he does. He restores broken lives. God takes things that are falling apart and he 
puts them back together and makes them better again. Um, my son and I love watching these car restoration shows. I love to see like a rust bucket and then these guys take it and they blast it and they fix the metal and they do all this stuff. When they're all done, it's better than it's better than it was when it rolled out new when they're done. Now it costs them tens of thousands of dollars to do it, but it's amazing to watch and I like watching it from, I like to see it go all the way through and all the processes and anybody that's been around the church for a while, you've seen God do that to lives. Right. I know human beings that when I met them, they were in this condition. And as God got a hold of their life, God did something brand new with them. Uh, there's a woman that when my mother was in a women's home, there was a woman that and they're in ministry together and married. And I'm looking at her face, looking at her pictures. And you're looking at this woman and nothing about what she looks like or what she's doing says that she was. But I remember what she was when I met her. And I looked at I just looked at the pictures and I just go. I said, God, you're so good. Yeah. Look at what you did. Look at. You wouldn't even know it. If she didn't open her mouth and tell her testimony, you would not look at her and say, you used to be that. And God is so changed that it's better than it ever was right now. And I'm, my heart rejoiced to see what he did. And so God does that with lies. God says, you guys that are spiritual could actually be a part of helping me do this. Because I, I do it through the body of Christ. But I do it through spiritual believers. I do it through believers that are empowered by and governed by my spirit. Not some legalistic, want to look better than somebody else you know, fake people, but I do it through people that are genuine. And so he says, brethren, if any man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. He tells us how to do it. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And so over the years, I have, there are kind of two different ways I approach sin when it's brought to me. If a brother or someone comes to me and says, hey, I, I want to confess something that I did. I messed up. Whatever it is. I messed up. I want to talk to you about it. I need prayer. I need help. And they confess. This is what I conclude at that point. One, the Holy Spirit is already at work, right? The fact that you're not you're not hiding your sin. You're not trying to keep your sin. You feel convicted. You feel so convicted and bothered that you're, you're telling on yourself. You're coming and you're doing what James 5 says to do to confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So I recognize God's already at work. The conviction is causing you to confess. You're doing what the Bible says. I'm going to pray for you. I may counsel you and I will extend myself and say, let's let's walk this out for a little while. I, I don't feel the need to be harsh. I don't feel the need to say, man, I can, what would you do? such I don't feel the need to give them a tongue lashing or to, you know, to, to somehow give discipline. It's like well, God's already doing the work. You've confessed. I'm going to come alongside and pray with you and, and support you and walk with you. And hopefully you're going to get to a point in this thing where you're having victory and you'll have the heart to help some other brother later on down the line. You know, God will bring you to full help. Now, that's, I believe, what we're supposed to do when someone is, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I do believe it's different. It's a different scenario when somebody is walking in open, ongoing rebellion. I've sat with people that are doing that and defending their sin. Well, you know, you know, this is what that typically looks like. They don't usually tell them themselves. They get exposed and say, hey, brother, did you do that? Will you do this? You know, uh, I had I somebody I had somebody that I'm, I'm talking to them that they're 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 getting drunk on a regular basis. I say, hey, um. You know, this, there's someone in their household is told, and I said, maybe you're, you know, I'm confronting them about it. And said, well, you're fat. <laughs> like, what does that have to What does that have to I kid you not. It's like, well, bam, deflect. You know, like, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? That happens. That's what, when people, it's like, I don't want to deal with what I'm doing. So, well, bam, 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 you know, and, and that's what will happen. That's not someone that's broken. 
um, that conversation is going to look a lot different, right? So that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the believer messed up. And I'm already broken. The Holy Spirit's already at work. God says, you who are spiritual, don't beat them down. Don't go telling their stuff to, to the world. Um, you know, don't, don't take the opportunity to expose them further or to damage them more. You restore them and you do it in a spirit of gentleness. And it says this, considering yourselves, at least you also be tempted, right? God says, as you, as you minister to them, recognize that you're, you and him are made of the same stuff. And just like he had a failure, you could have a failure too, right? So you minister in gentleness and, and, and consider yourself. And that's, that's where, to me, when we're, when we're being genuine and real about our own relationship with the Lord, where I'm ministering to you about your sin, am I not aware that I have some myself, right? And so that, that ought to impact how I talk to somebody or how I, how I come at somebody that I'm st- God's still working on me too. So I understand. I understand that we may be doing different things. What you did, I may have never done. But I understand. I got my own wars and battles that I'm fighting. So a, a spirit of gentleness, um, we minister to one another in that way. And again, the goal is as a body, we're, we're seeing people restored. What a better testimony for a group of believers that when people blow it, we see them restored and strengthened and back to a place of health and strength. Then that we be a place where it's like, well, he did that. And we heard about this and she did that. And we just, bam, bam, bam. We just, we shooting our own wounded, which is what happens a lot of times in the church. You know, people just some there's some people that just love some googly gossip, you know, gumdrops and they can't wait to hear some dirt on somebody else so they can shout it from the rooftops. That's not those who are spiritual. Right. Those who those who are governed by and and led by the spirit of God, you're going to manage other people's failures that way. Spirit of gentleness. Amen. Amen. So moving on. So this is what we're going to get in this the section of chapter six. We're going to cover these are various admonitions that all deal with how we treat each other in the body of Christ. So the first thing is how we're dealing with a sinning brother. Next, uh, it deals with bearing with one another, bearing people's burdens. Verse two, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so as as a body of believers, we're to bear one another's burdens. Um, And I want you to consider when you think of bearing a burden, it's heavy. You know, it's carrying stuff. And in the world, people don't do this. In the world, people are like, that's don't put your junk on me. You carry your own load. I got my own junk that I'm dealing with. You carry your own. God's just in a body. You can bear one another's burdens. There are going to be times where you come alongside a brother or sister and you take some on. Take, you take some of what they're dealing with on yourself. And that's what body ministry looks like. It, it's, it, it's an investment. If you get involved in other people's lives, their burdens feel like your burdens. When you get down and you love someone and you're ministering to someone and they go through something, when they go through it, you feel it. You feel it. It's, it's like bearing their burden. Um, a friend of mine, the guy that when I first started high school ministry, he was the high school pastor that gave me my first opportunity to teach and minister and everything at, at the church I was at, Calvary Chapel Downey. I saw that last week his daughter, he has a daughter that passed away. Um, yeah. And it was it was they're devastated. They're you know, as only you can imagine. They're devastated. And so I called him uh, over the weekend and uh, you know, I said, you know, when something like that happens, there's no magic word. There's no magic verse. I said, I just want to call. And I want you to know I love you. I want to pray for you. And I just want to give you a chance to vent your heart out and just listen to him. Let him talk. Let him share whatever, whatever was there. But just when I heard what happened, it, it moved me. You know, it was like, man, that's because I know him and I love him and I know how he loved his kids. And so it's like, you know, I could I could ignore it. Like, why well, he's in another state now. I'm not. No, I need to bear that with him. I need to walk with him. 
You go through something like that, there should be people that are walking with you through that. And so a lot of different ways in the body we bear one another's burdens. It just should be clear up front that that's going to take that, that you got to have a heart for people. Uh, it's a matter of investment. That's not just for the ministers of the church. That's for the body. Um, there are times where you got connections with people in the body where God knit you guys together and you're sharing your heart and sharing what's going on. And when you're doing good, they can rejoice with you. Amen. But when things are going rough, they may bear a burden with you. And so God says, hey, bear one another's burdens. And he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Anybody know? Love. Love when God says, you want to fulfill my law? Walk with each other in difficulty. Bear with one another's burdens. If you write notes, you can write down John 13, 34, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You could also write down John 15, 12. So that's John 13, 34. In John chapter 15, verse 12, which says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so, you know, these are people, these Judaizers that were trying to bring up all the Old Testament. He said, you know what? You want to fulfill the law of Christ? Bear with one another in difficulty. Bear one another's burdens. Walk with one another as things get difficult. Stand with the body of Christ. Stand with your brothers and sisters in difficulty. God says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so my encouragement to us in that would be as as. We walk among each other. Just, I want you to consider this, right? You can't even be in position to bear one another's burden if you're not engaged in the body. Right? We can't just be, we, we may show up on Sunday or whatever, but you understand that as a body of believers, we have to get, we have to be involved. We got to engage. There needs to be interactions and fellowship beyond um, just sitting and receiving together. Um, we need to be like a family. And there needs to be involvement where we get engaged. And we, everybody might not know everybody, but everybody ought to be connected to somebody. Amen. There ought to be some people here that you guys are talking and you guys are praying. You guys are interacting and then we're able to stand together and we're able to walk with each other through things. And so uh, once again, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This verse three, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And it's been said the worst kind of deception is self-deception. And he says here, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The idea here, and this goes against what culture wants to teach us, right? I need to know about myself that I'm nothing in the sense of, you know, apart from Christ, I'm nothing, right? Everything that I am can't even do anything of spiritual value apart from him. Apart from him, I am nothing. I'm just in Christ that I am anything at all. And so it says the person that thinks there's something when they're nothing has deceived themselves. And so we live in a society where people are like, don't say you're nothing. You got to be proud of yourself. You got to know you're somebody, you know, you got to have good self-esteem and blah, 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 blah. And all that shoots in the face of what Jesus taught, right? How do I die to myself when I think I'm the man? I can't, I'm the man. Proud. That when, when I, if I take on the, the attitudes of the world, the things that we're teaching our kids, we think that they need this so they can, you know, go further. We need to pump them up with it. You're somebody. Tell yourself in the mirror, you can do anything. You blah, 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 blah. And if, if it works, if you get all that through, you're going to have an arrogant, cocky self. You know, the kid is all confident in himself. The Bible says that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. It's through him that we can do all things. And so it'd be better to teach your kids to grow their dependence on the Lord and that they find their, their identity in Christ, that they find their, their place of strength and purpose wrapped up in their relationship with the Lord. Because through him, I can, I can do anything God wants me to do as I stay connected to the vine. There's supernatural power revealed to me. 
And then when I get done being victorious there, God gets the glory. I don't become some arrogant kid or person. And so anyway, he says again, um, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And uh, if you write notes, you can write down 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. And I'll read it to you. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And that's where the believer wants to be. And so God doesn't want us to be uh, those that are thinking we're all that, thinking we're something. No matter what you might be in the body, you might be something great. This, the person that spoke this is the Apostle Paul. My estimation of the Apostle Paul is that he's something else. I think Paul is great. I think Paul is like, I mean, under Jesus, I look at the New Testament. I mean, he did more than anybody else. I mean, this is the this is a superhero of the faith, if you will. And he says, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. That's what he says. And so we should all have a humble attitude about ourselves. That would be healthy for the body, too. Right. If everybody here said, you know, I'm going to esteem others better than myself. I don't see myself as better than you. If I don't see myself as better than you, you don't see yourself as better than me. And then we flip that and say, I'm going to see you better than me. And you decide, I'm going to see you better than me. It's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been at the door and you said, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. You know, you just, you just, we just, we just don't out polite one another. You know, God, that, that would be a great environment for the body where we're just saying, look, I'm, no one's a big shot here. Who do we always say? Who's the big deal when we gather here? Jesus. It always, that should always stand that he is the big deal. Not me. No one up here. No one out there. Jesus is always the big deal, the biggest deal. Um, and always, if we keep it right, it'll always be that way. A man can't be the big deal. It'd be bad for him and bad for the people that think he's a big deal. And so he says, if you think you're something when you're nothing, he deceives himself. And we don't want to be deceiving ourselves. Verse four. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And so we're encouraged here to let each one examine himself. And the idea here is that examine yourself. Don't don't compare yourself with somebody else. Examine what you're doing, um, because it's human nature. What most people like to do is um, is compare themselves to somebody else. That's the easiest way to to not improve, to not have to do better. Uh, all you got to do is find someone that's not doing as well as you. Um, my daughter and I started this this workout class and, you know, it, it's pretty brutal, you know. So I'm in there getting my butt kicked, you know. So I look forward to certain days. There's 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 the morning class. There's some people there that are that are a little worse off than me. I, I kind of like that class better. If I go to the four o'clock class. Everybody in that class, they've been they've been doing this for a minute. So I'm 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 the person. They're probably glad to see me there. They're like, all right, he's here. Woo, you know. <laughs> all you need, all you need is somebody to not be doing as well. And you might not be doing your best, but I'm doing better than you, you know? And so that's human nature, right? That's what we look for. When I was a student, you know, I was in school, I, you know, I wasn't the best student. I wasn't, I didn't apply myself. But I never really liked, I didn't want to be that dumb kid, you know, so I'm like, I'm not dumb. Maybe I could have got an A or a B, you know, but I messed around and I, I ended up with a C. Well, I got to sit next to Jerry and he's got an F. And I'm like, this C looks delicious compared to you got, a, you got an F? Man, I mean, you could have got that by not showing up, bro. I mean, you know, I'm at least in the 70s over here, you know, so 
spiritually speaking, we don't want to be doing that. We don't want to be comparing ourselves to one another. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington as he continues through the book of Galatians. In Galatians 5, Paul discusses what it means to be set free by Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law and set us free from it. But Paul doesn't see that as an excuse to do whatever we want. In verse 13, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you and I have been set free, and now we can love one another. Without the weight of sin on our shoulders, we are free to serve. We hope today's message has encouraged you on your walk with Christ. If you want to hear today's message again, you can listen later on YouTube. You'll find the link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can find a link to our mobile app as well. We have so many additional messages you can listen to that will help you in your walk. We also live stream the weekend services of Calvary Chapel Inglewood on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. Check us out at 9 or 11 Sunday morning online or in person. For those in the area, we also have services on Wednesday evenings at 7. Well, we're running out of time today. We're so glad you were here to grow with us. A Transforming Word will be back as we are transformed together to look more like Christ. Christ.